0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Oregon football is around the halfway mark in fall camp, so today we're going out to Eugene to get some updates. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How are we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast, your premier podcast for all things Oregon recruiting and Oregon football. It is Friday, August 18th, and we got a great episode in store for you guys today. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest covering the Oregon Ducks over on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. I'm not solo today. I'm usually solo, but I got my good friend Eric Scopel in here today. He is the uh, football and women's basketball beat reporter for 247's Duck Territory and a fellow Zag. How good we doing, week. man? Thanks for being here.
2: Yeah, no, good. Today's an off day for football, so squeezing you in a pretty busy schedule right now.
1: Yeah, no, it is. It is super busy, and and you guys are. Our, uh, you know nose to the grindstone with with Fall Camp right now. If you guys haven't read a bunch of Eric's stuff, he does great, great work. So he's certainly worth uh, a follow and, and all that stuff. So we'll get to some of that towards the back end of the episode where you can find him and everything. But yeah, we're, we're titling this episode, uh, A Fall Camp Check-In. Um, like I said in the intro, around the halfway mark, your boots on the ground in Eugene. So I wanted to kind of pick your brain and just start things off with uh, what's kind of caught your eye out there in Fall Camp.
2: Well, you know, uh, just up front, AXIS is what it's been in the past or similar. Max, I think you know that you you covered the team in 2020, 21, I think. Um, So you've got a little bit of a sense of what that's like. And, you know, I I can't say I've seen a ton of competition reps or a ton of 7-on-7 or 11-11. I haven't even seen any of those yet in fall. So some of that is limited. Um, In terms of what's catching my eye, I think just you know, this is kind of, again, probably more broad strokes than I wish it was because I wish I could come out here and be like, man, they're really they're implementing this in Stein's offense or man, check out what so and so has been doing, you know, in these drills. I don't, I just don't have that. But I think from a how bodies have changed perspective and we did get heights and weights for the first time in fall camp uh, yesterday, which was uh, an exciting day. I know for Oregon fans because they've been clamoring to see there's like 40 new players and we didn't really have a sense of the size for some of them or at least what they were listed as. But I think at linebacker in particular, it's it stands out. Um, just the shift that they've got undergone, I guess, this offseason. A year ago, I don't think anybody really thought linebacker was going to be the weakness of that defense, and it was. I don't think there's much question. Um, Justin Flo didn't pan out. Noah Sewell was kind of dinged up, and I don't think he was a great fit for the system. Jeff Basso was playing at like 212 pounds and playing like 50 snaps a game. Like They just were... Kind of some issues that they had, I think, from a from a personnel perspective. And it's pretty clear what the prototype of what they're looking for is. And, and that's a player who's versatile, who's 225 to 230 pounds. And, and you see that reflected in the weights. I mean, Jeff Boss, I mentioned, he was playing at like 212 last year. I think he's up close to 230. Jamal Hill was playing at a similar weight last year at, at, at nickel and at safety. And now he's moving up to linebacker. And I think he's listed at 227. Same thing with like Devin Jackson, uh, Connor Soli, the transfer from Arizona State. Justin Jacobs is bigger. I think he's closer to like 240, but just as a whole, like these are I think smaller in size than what you used to see the last couple of years, especially when you had like a Noah Sewell running around and like 255, 260. But just the pure athleticism that you see and and I well, at least I anticipate we'll see, because we haven't seen a ton of it in person. I think that's a thing that stands out. And I think that's a pretty big deal. Um you know I I personally felt pretty good about the front last year. I think that continues to be a strength. Um the secondary we can get into there's still a lot of moving pieces. I don't really know exactly what to make of. But just at linebacker the types of athletes and the size of the players, like I think that's really encouraging. And I think I probably speak for most people who are tuned in or following the program closely, like, Improvements on defense were, were needed after last year, pretty clearly. You know, offensively, they I think the Ducks probably did enough to win just whatever game they played, except for the first one. Um, but defensively there were clearly issues. And I think some of that looks like it's getting rectified. Haven't seen enough in practice to really say for sure, but just in terms of how players have changed their bodies, like you get a good sense of like this is the type of linebacker that that Dan really coached at Georgia. These are the types of body types and athletes that he's that he had and used there. Now he has some of those at his disposal at Oregon and we'll kind of see what that what looks like, I guess.
1: Yeah. We'll get into some of those other defensive groups uh, later on in, in today's episode, but the linebacker's core is a, is a great place to start um, because like you said, there, there were some good pieces there last year and then and years past, but it, it really didn't seem like a productive group, a reliable group, a, a deep group, you know, choose whatever adjective you want, but it seems like it's kind of going towards that. And I think it's a group that I've grown more confident in, or at least intrigued by at the very least uh, over the course of the off season, seeing some of the pieces that they added. Um, But with, 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 I think it's probably safe to say that it's, you're looking at likely Justin Jacobs and and Jeff Bossa as, as some of your starting kind of caliber guys along the inside, but bringing Jamal Hill down from the secondary Mm -hmm. is, is certainly an an interesting move. I think Tosh Lapoy said, if he had a time machine, he would have done it sooner. Um, So that was a notable quote. Um, but he's looking big. Uh, a lot of those guys have tweaked their bodies. I'm, I'm hearing that that Connor Soley looks like he's kind of been as advertised uh, from some of the people that I've spoken with around the program. But just in the course of an off season, I think that this is a group that not only needs to improve, but is, is looking more and more like it probably can. And to your point, a lot of those guys are maybe fitting Dan Lanning's uh, system and his uh, ideal prototype.
2: And I think Jamal even said the same thing that Tosh said at, at media day, which was something to the effect of like, like, oh gosh, I, if I could, I wish I would have done it sooner because you, and, and I always thought, you know, with Jamal, I, I won't say I had this grand vision that he was a perfect fit to play Mike or Mac, the, the two inside positions, but, I always felt like he was a good fit at nickel just because he was versatile enough in coverage and then obviously very physically imposing for a defensive back. I mean, he's played at like 5'11", 210 for basically his whole career. And that's a that's a big kid. And so now that he's put on a little added weight, I'm ex- I'm curious to see how that plays. And I, I agree, I think, with your your Bassa and Jacobs probably being your starting pair. Um, I've been very critical of Bassa in the past. I'm very curious to see yeah, how fifth he... Grade. Yeah, you know why <laughs> anybody anybody who knows. I listen my to you shtick, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. people know my stick, and I, 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 I probably I don't know if I've been too aggressive in pushing it or not, but it's just like people were looking for uh, trying to find an understanding of why the defense was bad last year, and it, it became let's point to this and that, and I didn't necessarily know if if people were highlighting the right parts of like they did were bad at linebacker across the board, and and Jeff was not very good himself, so I'm encouraged by what he can be just to like focus on on Jeff because. You know, he even said, I think it was yeah, it was down in Las Vegas when when I had some one on one time with him over over lunch at the at the Pac Twelve Media Day. Um, the last Pac Twelve Media Day, by the way, Max. No more. <laughs> Pac four. Um, the Pac Four. Yeah, we'll be I won't I don't think I'll be attending next year's Pac Four Media Day. Um, but but Jeff even said like he he didn't feel like it was like really um an option or like something he could do for another season to play that undersized. Cause you know, his point is a point that a lot of us have made of like he was just too small at, at times. And you can tell he's gonna be that's not gonna be the issue this year for him, I don't think. I mean, there might be matchups where where he does face off against guys who blow him up a little bit just because he's still playing at 230, but 230 is a lot different than two two ten or two twelve. And I, I think we'll see improved play there. And um, and again, there won't be that excuse of oh, he's just small now. He's he's changed his body. People have seen photos. I think he's one of the guys who's really done a good job in the weight room. So yeah, I'm curious there and then. Yeah, back to the point of like the starters. Like, I think those would be my picks, but like, there's been a lot of Devin Jackson buzz, and to your point, there's been some Connor Soley buzz, and I think Jamal Hill is super intriguing. Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, all five of those guys, I think, are players that are capable of being contributors. Um, to what level? I don't know because I haven't seen Justin Jacobs play in Oregon uniform. I haven't really seen Jamal Hill play this position. I haven't seen Connor Soley in Oregon uniform um you know and, and Devin Jackson barely played last year and so Jeff Bossa of these five guys is the only one Oregon fans have really been able to tune in and watch play at least this specific spot so it seems encouraging I like the direction like the trajectory feels positive but who knows I mean we might get into the you know we might come out of the the game in Lubbock saying gosh like that was supposed we were sold that this was supposed to be an improvement but it didn't turn out to be so
1: yeah, so we'll, we'll we'll see what that group can do. I mean, it obviously got overhauled pretty significantly uh, since the end of last year. You talked about all the departures. Keith Brown heads to Louisville. Uh, Harrison Taggart goes back home to to BYU. Um, Jackson Laduke goes back home to to UNR um, to to reunite with. Um, oh my God, I'm totally blanking Ken on Wilson. his name. Ken Wilson. Thank you. Uh, so then they they lose those guys and you bring in the, the names that we've talked about. So that's a group that has a bunch of potential, but is kind of a, a question mark. Which I think we could also talk about a little bit with some of these other groups on the on the Oregon defense. So maybe we'll segue into that. Um, but let's talk about the secondary a little bit here, Eric, because they're in a really weird spot where you have a lot of guys that have played a lot of football but haven't really produced at a high level. I'm talking about guys like Triquez Bridges, guys like Steve Stevens, maybe Brian Addison. I think Brian Addison was probably the most productive safety on this Oregon team last year, but you bring in Taishim Johnson, you bring in uh, Evan Williams for a reason you bring in Kyrie Jackson and, and Nico Reed, and then you sign five high school corners to me, that sends a pretty strong message and, and not that it's one with any, you know, ill intentions, but it seems like that group just really hasn't been getting it done collectively and and they want to do something to to change that and make it an impact group, the secondary.
2: It's the group I have the probably the the worst feel for right now, in part because it seems like every time one of these players is made available for interviews or we speak with one of the position coaches, I'm learning someone's working at a position I didn't know they were working at. Like, it's just been the trend of, like, oh, here's Nico Reed. Oh, he's playing nickel almost as much as he's playing corner. Or uh, uh, here's Ta- Taishim Johnson. Oh, actually, maybe he's going to play deep this year, even though everybody in the spring said he was primarily playing nickel. Like, it just seems like every time we talk to somebody, there's there's kind of uh, new information being presented. And, again, that goes back to some of the limitations that we have, as reporters on Boots on the Ground, have with, with access. And, again, I'm not trying to sit here to be tr- critical, but it's just the facts of the matter of, like, I don't have a great sense of what this is going to look like. Like it's also of, okay, we think Triquez Bridges is returning as a starting corner. I'm probably a little higher on his play than, than some are. Um, I thought he played pretty darn well down the stretch of last season. And, and I do think he's capable of being um, above average starting corner. Cause I thought he was probably a little bit of that last year, especially like I said, down the, the back half, but like, with Kyrie Jackson here, with Nico Reed here, these are guys who've got starting experiences at other Power 5 schools. I mean, Reed, Reed was pretty darn productive at Colorado. I don't think the PFF grades are quite as favorable um, compared to, like, Triquez. But then you've got, like, what, what do we do with someone like Jaleel Florence, who I thought had some nice moments last year, He's been working at nickel? What do we do with Kamari Terrell? Same kind of a deal. Um, sounds like Cole Martin is is primarily nickel and safety now. Um, there's just a lot of these moving parts that kind of are hard to figure out. And then to the point you made earlier, like Steve Stevens and Brian Addison, we don't really talk about them very often right now because the the shiny new toy is Tysheem Johnson or Evan Williams or or one of these younger, guys, you know, one of these younger, more exciting, more exciting players. So um, I, I, I want to be optimistic. I think collectively there's a lot of talent there. I mean, if you just want to go star chasing and look at the recruiting rankings, like Pretty much every kid that was recruited out of high school that's on the roster here it was like a four or a five star recruit. And pretty much I'm not even mention Dante Manning's name, by the way, with with those corners earlier. And and you know, even the transfers, they might not have been four or five star recruits out of high school, but I think Taishim Johnson, Evan Williams, and Kyrie Jackson, um, and Nico Reed are all like guys who were fairly productive college players at their other schools. So, you know, it seems like Oregon has brought in a lot of talent there, but I don't know how it all fits. And um, it seems like they're trying to figure that out right now. You know, it seems like a couple of things. It seems pretty clear that they want to have as much positional and personnel versatility as possible. Um, you know so that they are uh, versatile against certain you know offensive systems. And you know there might be a game where they play a certain personnel group more than others. But it also seems like they're just trying to figure out, like of those personnel groups, how does everybody fit, which is why you are seeing and hearing. It sounds like everybody's working at a couple different spots. I think with the exception of Quez and Dante, who it sounds like are just locked into playing corner um, from what we've heard. But yeah, it's it's a group that needs to be better. You look at the conference and you look at the teams Oregon's going to be contending with to to try to win a Pac-12 championship. And it's USC and Washington primarily, along with Utah and Oregon State. But those first two have two of the three or four best quarterbacks in the country and a lot of really good receivers to throw to. So Oregon has to improve there. Um, It seems like the talent's good, but to the point I made earlier with linebacker, sort of, it's like, I I certainly haven't seen enough to, to know one way or the other, even though there's been a lot of positive reports on a lot of these guys.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to Indeed data And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why?
1: We're talking with Eric Scopel of 247's Duck Territory on this episode of the Duck's Dish podcast. If you guys are watching us on YouTube, do me a quick favor and hit that like and subscribe button so that you can stay up to date on what we got going here on the channel and hit that notification bell so you don't miss any videos. Eric, I wanted to continue a little bit more on this secondary point. When I talk about guys like Steve Stevens, Triquez Bridges, and, and Dante Manning, I I don't I don't want to you know I don't want it to come off to you or even to to the audience here that that they're subpar or or bad players, but I think it's just you're at a point with this Oregon program with this Oregon defense where you're looking to take that next step, and there there comes a time when you just need to level with guys and and you know bring like obviously they're sending the message as far as just we we got to have that healthy competition and if there's guys that we think can elevate our program we're going to go after them and get them even if it means you might be losing your job as as a guy who's been around for a while so Nico Reed comes in obviously that's a guy that Demetrius Martin has a lot of familiarity with from his days at at Colorado and then Taishim Johnson comes in from Ole Miss these are guys that have produced you know pretty effectively at their their previous stops so I think that that healthy competition is obviously only going to help and hopefully for Oregon's sake, elevate that floor. And then the other point I wanted to get to is just the guys that they've brought in from the high school ranks. These are big kids. Like they don't look like freshmen. I mean, Daylon Austin's at like six foot, um, you know, close to 190 or 95 pounds, maybe even 200. So these are big corners that I think maybe you're, you're not as used to seeing at Oregon, but they're, more of that fit those prototypical guys those long corners that can run and cover so there's some reason to be optimistic that these guys can really help get this defense headed in the right direction
2: yeah and I mean I think you I mean I think it's interesting with that position in general the change we've seen over the last decade and just what you're looking for there and I think I remember when I was growing up it really was pretty unusual where you have a corner that was taller than 6-1 like that just wasn't You're looking for small, quick guys, um, you know, in part because I don't think run support and the versatility of that was really something you were expecting. I mean, you didn't expect your corners to be awesome in that area. You weren't blitzing your corners ever. Um, Now you see that stuff with a lot more regularity. And I thought, you know, I would think pretty clearly like the prototype of what Oregon wants at that position is the guy that just left, which is Christian Gonzalez, who I think everybody thinks is sounds like he's done awesome in, in Patriots camp and has a chance to be one of the better you know defensive rookies in the NFL this year. But a guy who's that size and that athleticism like isn't particularly easy to find and it seems like oregon has a lot of guys that at least have the same body types you know whether it be triques or kyrie who are both six three long arms dante manning isn't quite as tall but i remember talking to him last year and his wingspan is like close to seven feet like he's got a lot of length um you brought up dalen austin totally that guy is, physically stands out um Colin Gill's name doesn't come up a lot. He's playing safety, it sounds like, but he's six foot two fifteen, according to the roster. Yeah, he's just giant. Um, wasn't expecting that. So yeah, no, I think uh, you know, I mean the one the one uh, I guess outlier is Roderick Pleasant, who I think is 5'9", 190, or one eighty five. I can't 180. remember. 180. I think he's yeah. one eighty. So he's he's a he's a smaller guy. That fits more in the, you know, the Thomas Graham kind of body type. I'm trying to think of other players that were kind of similar in size. Um but gosh, I mean obviously his speed, you you think he can make up for some of that too. But no, it is interesting. And and, and I, I think what you I think what the goal is almost right now is to try to find and I know this isn't exactly it, but if you're gonna play, you know, a nickel, a nickel defensive back, and you're gonna have five defensive backs in the field, I think you wanna have like five guys that are all kind of similar in size, stature and skill set just so that you can rotate them as much as possible and have them be in advantageous situations as much as possible, which is why like it's possible Oregon starts two corners that are really similar size to the kind of safeties they start. It's possible the guy playing nickel, it could be Tysheem Johnson, um, you know, is, is like one of the smaller in terms of height players on the field, just because he doesn't have to have that length with who he's covering. But just across the board, I think you are looking at that being the trend, not just at corner, but at all the positions like, let's go find 6263 195 200 pound guys put them as many of them out there as possible and see how they how they do and again like i you could sell me on 50 different iterations of what the starting secondary looks like right now like and and certainly even more for what the second team is there are a lot of players to to look through here and i again as i said to start when we're talking about this i don't have a great feel right now and i'm going to be very curious to see um, start next month, what this looks like against Portland State, but, of course, even more so against the Tech.
1: Just my final thought on, on the secondary, and then we'll we'll get to some, some D-line talk. Um, I, I think back as we kind of talk about just how versatile Oregon's secondary is right now, like moving around guys at a lot of places, having guys that can do a lot of things, that's really helpful. But I, I wonder how similar the conversation is compared to, um, the versatility that we talked about with the offensive line in the Mario Cristobal era guys moving around all the time. At what point did that hurt you and make it hard to get that chemistry? You just said it yourself. You could have 50 iterations of this defense and then not know what's best. And I think part of that just comes to where we are in the calendar right now. We just right. they haven't been yeah. playing that much. So we'll, we'll see what works out the best and we'll get some of these earlier games like Portland state to kind of figure out some of those tweaks um, but that was just something that occurred to me. Um, just like, you know, is, is it always a benefit to have that much versatility? When is it too much?
2: Well, there is to me a difference between offensive line rotations, which I was probably more okay with than, the, than some people were. I, I thought at times it worked, at times it didn't, um, than there is in the secondary. Cause I, sure. Cause I, and I guess there are some similarities, but you, like, you think about it, like what kind of a body types you want out there when you're playing Utah, or when you're playing Oregon State, especially like especially like nickel and at safety. Cause like one of the things that's been interesting is like talking to like Kamari Terrell a couple of days ago was was he was he was mentioning like okay, like who does he match up with? Like he's he's out in the field in a personnel group that's a speed personnel group. Like that's when he's gonna play a lot. That's when he's gonna fit at nickel. Cause he's only 6'3", hundred and eighty pounds or whatever he is. So he's not compactly built to stand up and run support like a tie jackson might be like we saw obviously with bennett last year and jamal before that um so i do think there 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 are going to be personnel situations like where it makes more sense to rotate and i think in the secondary in general you see that across the board the mario thing was just kind of funky because like they were rotating without like it didn't seem like they were seeking out personnel advantages as much as it was like we're going to rotate to rotate which Maybe keeps guys fresh, but also to your point, like maybe it also limits some of the continuity and and all that stuff.
1: Yeah. So I I wasn't really trying to directly compare those. And I think you kind of, you know, shed some light on that. They're not the same thing, but just kind of interesting to to see that they have that level of versatility there. Um, Wanted to hit on the D line real quick, then we'll get to a little bit of offensive talk. And I think part of that is just because I'm more intrigued by the defense right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because Dan Lanning's a defensive de- defensive head coach, there's so many pieces that they brought in. Um, but let's talk about this defensive line. Eric, you you're from Eugene, you've followed the ducks for a long time, you've covered the ducks for a long time. You can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I really do feel like this might be Oregon's deepest defensive line that we've seen since the Eric Armstead DeForest Buckner days.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I was I, I was even thinking like compared to them. This group might be a little deeper. Um, because I, well, I just remember the, the, their freshman year, Alex Balducci was redshirting, and then they got, had a couple guys go down, and like he went from redshirting to like playing week seven on, which is like something that you just, and it's different rules where redshirting back then you, you could, you only played one game and you, you burned it. But yeah, I know, I think the depth here is really encouraging. Um, I think having popo Amavi back is something that maybe doesn't get talked about quite as much I, ju- I just wrote a
1: story on that
2: so I, I yeah. love that yeah because i i I think he's a really unique player who back in twenty one when he was healthy last was pretty damn good guy like I thought he I mean what he can do with this size in terms of pass downs is is pretty unique so I think that's that's a big win but it's not just that I mean they return the exception of of Jordan Riley um basically everybody from last year and again i'm probably maybe a little bit more forgiving of this group as a whole um the oregon state game is pretty hard to forget but like the lack of pass rush stuff like i think some of that you could point here i think other places you can point um that probably are more effective and then also just acknowledge like oregon actually got and pressured the quarterback a lot they just weren't very good at bringing the quarterbacks down i don't have the data in for me but i'm pretty sure they were like top third in the conference and actually quarterback pressures, but like second to last in sacks. So that's something that's not necessary. I mean, I I guess you could say they didn't finish the play as well enough, but like they were not a group that wasn't able to at least get upfield in in certain instances, but yeah. And then you add Jordan Birch, this freshman class is super exciting just from a body type perspective. Like I can't stop talking about how just huge Terrence green is. Like I know when you were up here, like Jordan, Jason Jones was like the last just huge person they brought in that was like immediately like just stood out physically on that, at least at that position. Like Terrence Green carries 315 pounds at 6'5", better than about anybody I've seen in a really long time. Like he's probably just like, I would be one of my top guys to have if you wanted to pick a guy to walk off the bus first. Like he's just just like
1: intimidation factor,
2: physical. Yeah, exactly. And Um,
1: Tevita Pome too, he's over 300, he's a true freshman.
2: Yeah, Tavita and Amari are both that are both over three hundred, but they're they don't carry it. Like I mean, Terrence Green looks incredible. I'm just like w- like I, I, I there are photos I've sent and posted on the website. Like I'm I'm just really intrigued by him. Again, I don't think those three freshmen. Many of them have much of an impact at all this fall, just because there are so many veterans back. But I, I mean I think there's a uh, I, I think a couple things are are exciting along the defensive line. A I think they're going to be good this year. Um, I think they're going to be better than they were a year ago. I mean, they better be. They return basically everybody. They bring with the end and they insert Popo and, and, and Jordan Birch, who are going to be probably two of your three or four best defensive linemen this year. Um, you add Mateo, who's you know playing probably a little bit of defensive end, a little bit of big big edge outside linebacker. Um, like I, I think those are you know improvements. But the thing that also gets you excited is is you go. So those guys are going to eat a lot of the minutes this year. Most of those guys are gone. A lot of the guys you think are going to be the fill-ins in 24 are guys that are currently on the roster that are hopefully developing along with this nucleus of, of older guys. So I think it's a really nice combination. I mean, it's a huge room. I, mean, I don't have the count in front of me. But like if you Tons include, of bodies. If you include the outside linebackers, some of those edge guys, it's probably like close to 20 guys. Um, but there's a lot of really young players that are, are really encouraging, at least from what we've heard and kind of seen physically. Like I remember Casey Rogers can't stop talking about how good McKeel Gardner is. I think he was like the, the lowest or second lowest rated of any of these guys. So I, I mean, I'm really encouraged by kind of the two timeline almost like I know you're a warrior fan. It was kind of like what the warriors tried to do. It didn't work. So hopefully this is better, but where they had like the young contingent of players that were developing with these veteran guys. Um, like, I'm, I'm excited by what the defensive line can be in the short and the, the long term. And um, there are certainly things that need to improve. They, they do need to finish plays on past Deion's better. But I, I think this will be one of the better units that we've seen at Oregon in a minute. Um, and, cer- and certainly, just from a size and, and physicality perspective, like, yeah, it probably is the closest thing that Oregon's had since since Eric Armstead and, and, and DeForest Buckner and Balducci and all those guys were here.